as we look at missions this morning, uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at it from the from the book of Acts. If you're if you're one of those people that like to be where the action is, where things are happening, uh, you're gonna like reading the book of Acts. Acts is the book of of Christian action. This is a result of the disciples, the apostles, the believers, faith in Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. During this time, there was, as you read it, there's all kinds of signs and wonders done by the apostles, and these were specifically used uh, during this transition time from law, if you will, to grace, from Old Testament to New Testament. As the New Testament was being written, God used specifically Peter and Paul to do these wonderful things, showing the nation of Israel uh, that, that the gospel was now by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's kind of like in the Old Testament when God called Moses. Uh, and told him to go and, and, and to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses said, what did he say in Exodus? He, I think it's Exodus chapter 4. He says, God, they're not, how are they going to believe me? How are they going to believe the words that I said? And God said to Moses, what do you have in your hand? And he had a rod in his hand. God said, drop that rod. And that rod, when he dropped it, turned to a serpent. And God said, pick it up. When he picked it up, it turned back to a rod. He said, that's a sign that you show them that that what I'm saying is true. And he told Moses, he said, stick your hand in your bosom. And when he pulled it out, it was leprous. And then he told Moses to put it back in. When he put it back in and pulled it back out, it was clean. And he said to Moses, that's a sign that the people will believe that your words are true. And I believe that God used these apostles to do these awesome uh, miracles at this time to show the nation of Israel the New Testament, the new grace of God. However, I say that to say this, the power of the Holy Spirit is the same today as it was the day at Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit to, to save sinners and to save souls, the power of the Holy Spirit to do miracles. Listen, I believe we serve a mighty God who is able to do anything. He has the power to do anything, all these sort of things. And this, the result of our faith in God, and the, and the, and the results of that, of our putting our faith in God, should be just as real and just as powerful today as they were then. It's interesting to think of the book of Acts covers about 32 years. And that is the 32 first years, or the first 32 years of the church. And it is interesting to think that we may be in the last 32 years of the church. I believe that we are getting close to the Lord Jesus Christ coming back and to think that God has put us in this place at this time uh, to serve Him and to do His will and to think that we may be in the last, at the end of the church age or this time where before Christ returns. The author the, of the book of, of Acts, of course we know is the Holy Spirit, but the writer, the person that, that God used to pin down the words was Luke. And in Colossians... 
Paul refers to Luke as the beloved physician. In 2 Timothy, at the end of at the end of Paul's life, he's writing the letter to Timothy, and he says, "Demetrius has forsaken me for this present world." He says, "Tychicus and Titus, they've left because they had to go and do other ministry." And then he says, "This only Luke is with me." Amen. And so, at the end of Paul's life, this this good friend, faithful minister had been with Luke or had been with Paul throughout the journeys and the missionary journeys that he had been on, therefore giving him the ability to write about all these things that we see in the book of Acts. Acts really starts with the Jesus ascending into heaven, then Peter uh, preaching that wonderful message there at the day of Pentecost, and then we see the persecution of the church uh, as, as Acts uh, progresses and, and the gospel going out into Samaria in Acts chapter 8. And then we see the conversion of Saul. And from that point on in the book of Acts, we see the gospel going out to the Gentiles, going out to reach those unreached people as Paul takes those missionary journeys to preach the gospel as he has sent them. So as we look at this, we're looking at Acts because Acts is a missions book. I mean, he, it is, it is the, the mission of the disciples, the mission of preaching the gospel. Listen, as we, as we read through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is emphasized throughout the book of Acts. And the Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ, exalts Jesus Christ, just as Jesus Christ exalted God the Father in the Gospels. And you see each person through the Trinity as it comes down and now it's at the Holy Spirit and His work in our hearts and in the church and in the world. And really, the book of Acts is a continuation of the Gospels. You say, how how do you mean that? Well, you have the acts of Jesus Christ, if you will, in the Gospels, His life and ministry, death, and burial, and resurrection. And then the, the book of Acts is the acts of the apostles. In other words, now Jesus Christ is still at work in the world, but He is using human instruments through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God is working through individuals, building His church. I was just this last week, uh, was meeting with a guy that I hadn't uh, met with uh, in a while, hadn't touched base with in a long time. And he accepted Christ in 2010 at a men's Bible study that we were having. And I remember that night. It was a wonderful night. Wrote, actually wrote it in the front of my Bible the day that he accepted Christ. And he and I were, we were out, to, out to lunch and he was talking. We started talking about the spiritual things. And, and he says to me, he goes, you know, I mean, this is seven years ago, six, seven years ago. He says, you know, I just started reading my Bible through. He said, I, I realized I'd never been reading my Bible. And so I started reading my Bible. And he goes like this. He's really excited. He said, I started in the Gospel of John. And he goes, man, that is awesome. He started telling me stories out of the Gospel of John. And I'm like, yeah, this is good stuff. And then he's getting me excited, you know, talking about the Gospel of John and how good it is. He goes, this guy should have wrote more stuff. I said, well, good news, he did. (laughs) I said, 
I said, and this is true. I said, you wait. I said, wait till the next book. I said, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. He said, I just started that book. It's good too. <laughs> you know, it's true. It's true that we can get this excited about the Word of God. And when you look at the book of Acts and you see what God did through individuals, I'm here to tell you, Peter and Paul and these guys, although they were apostles, Peter was, a, was an old fisherman that denied Jesus Christ. They were human beings that God was using through His power. And He can do the same with us. I know He can if we'll surrender our lives to it and allow Him to. This book of Acts chronicles the start of the church and the growth of the church. It is. It is the disciples fulfilling the great commission that He called them to at the end of the Gospels. So it's them going and doing what He told them to do, fulfilling it, how? Through the call and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we as a church, as individuals, as Christians, as followers of Christ, are called to the Great Commission. I I know that we are. You say, what is God has a call in my life? What is it? Part of it is to be involved in the Great Commission. You say, what's the Great Commission? Telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. Sharing the Gospel. Presenting the light, being the light, being the fishers of men, being the salt of the earth. This is our mission. I've said this multiple times. I think as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have to have a ministry in the church to build up and to help each other in the church and a mission in the world. Providing, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is like mission impossible. When Jesus gave this mission to the, His disciples, to, you know, the 11 fishermen and then later 12 uh, uh, disciples, uh, this was impossible to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But this is also our mission. And although we have planes now and computers and phones and things that you would think makes it easier, it's still almost an impossible mission without God without the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our mission, should you accept it. You know, you almost need the, the theme music of Mission Impossible playing behind behind this. But our mission is going it, our mission is going to be accomplished the same way that it was in the book of Acts. We think that things have changed so much that that now with change with time that things would change so far but the, the principles of the way that the gospel should be presented to the world has not changed since the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean we still need the power. We still need the power. Acts chapter 1. We're going to be turning to several, several uh, passages in Acts, so be ready to turn around all, through your Bible in Acts. But Jesus is ascending into heaven in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says this, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus said, listen, you're going to be a witness. You're going to fulfill the commission. But you're going to need the power. Listen, we cannot fulfill the Great Commission. We as, as human beings cannot give one person eternal life. 
That comes through Jesus Christ. That comes through the power of the Holy Spirit convincing an individual of their need for salvation, drawing the individual. But God uses us in this. That's why, if you, if you have your Bible open there, in Acts 1, in verse 4, He says to him, He says that you're going to do this, but wait for the Spirit. See, the Spirit had not come yet. Jesus was going to ascend into heaven and send the Spirit to well believers. Seal them until the day of redemption. He says, but wait for the Spirit. Why did He say, but wait? Because it would be a worthless attempt for us to try to lead the world or lead anyone, lead one individual to Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's done the same way. You say, you, you know, a lot of things are different in our culture. Yeah, but in order to do something eternal, we still need the Holy Spirit. We still need the power. Paul said this when he went into Corinth. And, and, and we've studied the book of, of, of Corinthians, how Corinth was much like our culture is today. And Paul went into Corinth and he said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And then he says in the next verse, And that power was the power of God. As Christians... As the church, as individuals, we still need the move of the Holy Spirit. We still need the power of the Holy Spirit, that saving power, that transforming power, right? That changing power that happens to an individual when God moves inside. That's what happens at salvation. The Holy Spirit moves inside of an individual. Listen, when God moves inside, things start to change. Our desires these things happen how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 6.10, he says, Finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Here we are as Christians trying to fulfill an eternal mission, but we have to depend on the eternal God and His eternal power to complete it. You say, as I, my first step in fulfilling the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first step is abide in Christ, be filled with His Spirit, fellowship with the Lord. Time spent with the Lord in fellowship is not time wasted. That time is the time that we're tapping into the power source in order to do something eternal. That's through prayer. There's power in prayer. I am more and more and more I am convinced that there is so much power in prayer. I know that, you know, in my mind because the Bible says it, but man, as you use it and you pray and you talk to the Lord and He answers these prayers, that is, that is, to think that we have a fellowship with the Creator of the universe that He can hear us. That's what He says in Ephesians 6.18 where He's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. You know, to be able to go to battle. At the end of that, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching there unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. This is what the church was built on. The church was built on prayer. You have your Bibles open there to Acts. Look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 talking about the, the early church, the first believers. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 
42, the Bible says, and they continued, uh, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. We see this beginning of the church, the start of the church, it was built upon the fellowship, the truth of the, of, of the, the doctrine that the, was being taught, but it was built on prayer. We see in Acts chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but Peter, the Bible says that he was uh, up on the rooftop at noon praying. And what happened? God began to show him his future, give him the vision of the gospel going to the Gentiles and spreading out. Look at Acts chapter 12 and look at an example here in the book of Acts of the power of prayer. Acts chapter 12. In verse 1, the Bible says, Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Persecution was coming upon the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. So here one of them had, one had been executed, one had been martyred. Now Peter's arrested. Herod's planning on killing him too. In verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God for him. Isn't that interesting? Here we have a brother going, being taken, taken by Herod and locked up into the prison and, and the church says, what can we do about it? We can pray. We can get together and we can pray about this thing. In verse 6, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night. Isn't God just on time? Sometimes it's right down to the end, but just on time. The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and the light shined in the prison, and smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the Bible says that the angel just led Peter right out of the prison, right through all the gates, right through all the doors, and Peter sitting there thinking, is this, is this real? Is this really happening, right? Is this even going on? And finally he gets outside and is in the city streets, and he realizes, I've been delivered. I've been set free. You know where Peter goes? He goes over to the, to the house where they were having a prayer meeting. Look at verse... Uh, Verse 11, And Peter was coming to himself and said, Now I know of surety that the Lord has sent His angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose certain name was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They prayed Him right out of jail. They prayed him right out of prison. You said, oh wow, that was interesting to see in the book of Acts. I'm here to tell you we serve the same God today. We serve the same God. I mean to tell you, I, am, I, I, I believe that if we want to see God use us, if we want to see God make us fruitful, we have to tap into the power source which is prayer. We can see God work through prayer. One of the things that God used in, in the book of Acts is preaching. Preaching. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. 
you see this whole Acts chapter 2 basically starts the day of Pentecost and they receive the Holy Spirit and Peter begins to preach. Peter begins to preach and at the end of his sermon in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, then they that gladly received the Word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You know how the church begins? Through preaching. God used Peter here to begin to preach. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Which is, which is interesting because in Exodus chapter 33, the first time that the law was preached, 3,000 died. And here at the first time that God, that God, the first sermon in the New Testament as the start of the church is preached, 3,000 are saved. I'm glad, I'm glad to be in the age of grace in the New Testament, aren't you? <laughs> This whole book, the whole book of Acts is preaching. You say, what is preaching? Let's just clear that up. Is preaching what I'm doing right now? It can be, but preaching in the book of Acts is someone declaring the good news of Jesus Christ to someone else. That's it. They're preaching. They're telling the good news to one, two, three, a thousand. Who doesn't matter. Just sowing the seed, putting it out there, telling the good news of Jesus Christ. Inside these four walls, we need to do it. Preaching is important. But Paul says, um, preaching is the power of God unto them that are saved. So it helps us. It strengthens us. The preaching of the Word of God strengthens the church. But also the preaching of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the grace of God to them that are lost. And they need to hear it. Doesn't the world need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? This is, this is the whole book of Acts as you start reading down through, especially the life of Paul. You see Paul in Acts chapter 16. He, he goes to Philippi. And what's he do? How does he start the church at Philippi? He goes down by the river and starts talking to the ladies, holding a Bible study there. And his first convert in Philippi is a lady named Lydia. And then he continues to preach and you know the story. Uh, he gets thrown in jail. He, he and Silas. And they're sitting there in jail, and you would have thought that this is not going very well, but God had different plans, and the Philippian jailer and the Philippian jailer's whole family was the second family to be added to the church of Philippi. You say, how'd that happen? Through preaching. Paul going out, opening his mouth. You say, yeah, preaching got Paul thrown in prison. Yeah, and preaching got Paul thrown in jail, and the whole family of the Philippian jailer accepted Christ. You see him going on into Acts 17. Turn to Acts 17. Paul goes into Thessalonica. In Acts 17, in verse 2, Paul, the Bible says, as is his manner was, uh, as is, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. That is Jesus, whom I preach unto Amen. you, is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. So here we see Paul doing the same thing. Goes into Thessalonica. What's he do? He teaches the Scripture, teaches and preaches the Word of God. The Paul, he leaves Thessalonica. He goes to Athens. Gets up on Mars Hill and he says, "I, I, I have figured out that there's just you guys are just too superstitious. 
He says, uh, he says you have uh, markers there to the unknown God. And then he famously said, Him I declare unto you, the creator of the universe. Now he came and is our Savior. Acts chapter 18, he goes into Corinth and begins to preach and preach every Sabbath day in Corinth. And now there's a church planted. Look, at what I'm trying to say is those things that Paul did at the time, it may have seemed small. One, two, three, four converts. The churches were planted. And we still today read the letters that were written. They're Scripture. It's God's Word. The letter to Philippi and the letters, letters to Corinth and the letters to Thessalonica. Paul did the same thing every time. He went in and preached. What did he do when he went to Ephesus? The Bible says in Acts 19.8, he went into the synagogue and spake boldly of the, for a space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Paul had the same, he did the same thing everywhere he went. He preached the Word of God. In the book of Acts, you're not going to see a bunch of programs that Paul put to practice. He did the same thing. He'd go into a village and he'd preach Jesus Christ. That's it. That was missions. You say, has it changed a lot? Well, times have changed, but the preaching of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has not changed. That's still what works for eternal life. That's still what changes, folks, and that's still what God uses is the preaching. Eventually, Paul goes on to preach to governors and kings in the Sanhedrin. He preaches and proclaims the gospel. You say, wow, what an interesting thing. Wow, wouldn't it be so wonderful to be part of the book of Acts, these prayer meetings and people getting out of jail, churches being started and preaching going on. Yeah, but the book of Acts is also full of persecution. See, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, persecution just comes with the territory. We have been blessed. I think here in America and the freedoms that we have, we don't see persecution like other believers do around the world even today for their faith in Jesus Christ. But Christians all down through the ages, it has, this is not the norm, the blessings that we have here in America. This is not the norm. The norm for Christians over the last 2,000 years have been they've been persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ and the preaching of the gospel. You think of the Mission Impossible movies. How interesting would the Mission Impossible movies is would be if they, they got their mission and then it was no it wasn't hard at all. It was like going to the mailbox. No, that's not what the Mission Impossible movies are about. It's about what? You know, somebody going into enemy territory and rescuing the, the captives, right? right? That's what we're doing. That's our mission. Listen, we're going into enemy territory to rescue the captives. And I'm telling you, the enemy is not happy with that. We'd be naive to think that this is just going to be a cakewalk. That if we decide to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we decide to fulfill the Great Commission, that everybody's going to support us. Everybody's going to be on board with that. That's not the case. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Five times. I mean, you know, one time would be too much for me. I mean, one time they took me out and started whipping me uh, 39 times. I tell you what, I, I rethink. Five times Paul went through this. I think we read over that and don't just think, you know. 
Wow. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. I mean, if I was in three shipwrecks, I think I'd quit riding on ships. I, I would stop after the first or second. But Paul, he said, I have to preach the gospel. He, he even said at one point, he said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in bonds to preach the gospel. He said, there's something in me that even though they beat me, even though they stoned me, even though they imprisoned me, even though I'm shipwrecked, even though I'm... And he goes on to say all the things that he's been through, you know, in, in perils of everything, all kinds of trouble and hunger and cold and everything. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation right, to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says, I've got the goods, I've got the good news, and I don't care what stands in my way, I'm going to preach it. I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell the good news. Why? Because it changed my life. That's what Paul says. I was lost and I was stuck in my own religion and God delivered me out of it and I am bound to preach the gospel. He says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul says, I've, got, I've, I've served the Lord Jesus Christ over these last 30 some years. And I've got the battle scars to prove. Look at my back. I've made real battle scars. Look at what I've been through. Look at where I've gone. He says, this is why I preach the Lord Jesus Christ. I carry the battle scars to believe, to prove it. Listen, we would be naive to think that if we decide to be a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ and enlist in His army, that there isn't a real enemy. There is persecution. You say, what do you do when you, when you face persecution? What happens? Praise. Praise is what you do when you reach persecution. Praise is part of the church. Back there in Acts, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Right at the very beginning of the church. In verse, verse 47. He says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise of God was, was from the beginning of the church all the way on through. You see in the next chapter, Peter uh, um, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray and they meet the man begging alms, right? He says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk, right? And the Bible says that he was healed at that very moment. And verse 8 of chapter 3, he said, and he leaping, uh, leaped up, stood and walked and entered into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. My goodness, if we had some Christians that would just be walking and leaping and praising God, I think we'd draw some attention to say, maybe they do have some. My goodness, look at them. They've been persecuted. Look at They've gone through some things. They've gone through some hardships. But they still are praising God. Let's look at that passage that I mentioned when Paul goes into Philippi and begins to preach the gospel in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're turning to a lot of scriptures in Acts here, but... Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. The Bible says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang what? Praises unto God. I... I we could read through some of this. I think we ought to just slow down when we read the Bible a little bit and start looking at what's going on. 
We, Paul and Silas were just beaten and thrown into prison for preaching the gospel. And now here they are praying and having a praise service. They're praising God in song. You say, what do you do in persecution? Praise God. Praise God for the goodness of His, of his uh, long-suffering, His salvation, His faithfulness. The Bible says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. You know what? Sometimes we feel in bondage. We feel like we're shut in, that we're stuck in a box, that we, you know, darkness is, is closing in on us and we feel like that. I, I have a challenge. Next time you start to feel that depression coming on, start praising God. Start singing, pick up a hymn book and start singing a song. Pick up something and start thanking God for all the good things that he's done for us and see if those chains don't fall off. See if the sun doesn't start shining in on your world and say, my goodness, I do have a lot to be thankful for. He says, uh, you know, the prison doors flew open and and, uh, where are we here? Verse 28, Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Verse 29, Then he called for a light, sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Aren't we all what? Isn't that, isn't that, what that's, that would be some of the best things. Someone, what do I do to be saved? Okay, I want to accept Jesus Christ. What is it? that? What must I do to be saved? He says to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Man, that's simple, isn't it? Trust Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what do you do in persecution? Praise Him. Praise Him. People will notice. We begin to see progress. Again, guys, I don't know what is going on with my sermons. They keep getting longer and longer every week here. I am not through what I usually am, but... Whatever. So they began to see progress. They began to see progress in the church. The Lord's adding to the church. The Lord's sending them out. The Bible says, in, and I'm just going to say a few of these things, but they, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit told the church to separate Barnabas and Saul and send them on their missionary journey. You know what missions is about? It's about reaching those with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe for us, here and now, we can turn our workplace into a mission field. I believe that we can turn our home into a mission field. I believe that we can turn whatever God's given us into our field. But then, we can also support those that God has sent to form fields. And that's what we're, you know, the faith promise, that's what we're talking about, being able to support those missions in India. You say, why, why is it that we're focused in foreign missions? Well, a couple reasons. One, because God told us to. And two, it's because the field is ripe over there. We just saw a hundred and some folks accept Christ in a week in India. And these are people, you say, was that real? Were they really accepting Christ? There were, there were Christians that, were, that had been growing in the church and growing in Christ that accepted Christ last year and the year before. So I'd say, yes, it's working. You say, when I, we were, when I was in Mexico uh, last January, people were saved in every service. Why wouldn't we get involved in places where the harvest is great? I mean, if God's called us to the harvest, a smart farmer is going to farm where there's good ground, right? 
You're going to put the seed in in the good ground. I say put the seed in in places where people are accepting Christ. They're accepting Christ in Africa. They're accepting Christ in, in India, in the Congo, in PNG, Vietnam, all those missions that we support. I think it's, I think it's, it's money well spent. What little bit we can do to help preach the gospel. How are we going to get into action? How are we going to help build the church through the power of God? By walking in the Spirit, by faith, and I believe that if we allow God to fill us with His, with His Spirit, then we will see the supernatural power of God working through us. It's going to be through prayer. Listen, you say, how do I get involved in missions? I believe, I believe that if you pray, God will hear those prayers. You pray for the people in, in, in the mission field. You pray for your lost family members. Pray for his co-workers. Listen, God hears prayer. There's power in prayer. We've been meeting every day this month, uh, either at uh, Charity or here at noon, uh, to pray. And I'm seeing God answer prayers. Uh, there's been days where I've got there, and honestly, I've had the thought, you know, I, I drive to one of the one of the churches and having a busy day, and I'll think, my goodness, this is a little bit, you know, out of the way. You know, here, do I really have to go to the church to pray? No, I don't really have to go to the church to pray, but I said I would, so I'm trying to. And then it just hit me. You know, this little 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is that I spend here praying is probably the most important thing I do today. Amen. I I remember when I was kneeling down there and God said, "This this is the most productive you've been today. All the phone calls, all the scheduling, all the running, all the this and that. This is the most productive you've been today. And I thought, wow, that's right. If I can get a hold of God who can do something eternal, that's the most productive I've been today. Listen, if we're going to see God work, we have to be people of prayer. We have to preach. You say, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. You have a story to tell. If God saved you, if God, if God's forgiven you of your sins, just tell that story. Just tell, like Paul did everywhere he went. He just told, I was on the road to Damascus, right? God changed me. I was transformed. Just tell the good news of Jesus Christ. You say, persecution may come. I would just expect it, actually. Not in a weird way, but just say, hey, it may come, but I know what to do when it comes. I'm going to praise God through Amen. it. I'm going to thank God through it. And I believe that we will see progress in the church. You say, what's progress? Fruitfulness. You say, what's fruitfulness? Seeing folks come to know Jesus Christ. Seeing families help. Seeing people transform. Seeing people surrender their life to God and the ministry and the work of the ministry. That is fruitfulness.